You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number 62. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there. My name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. In this episode, I continue my interview with UK and US-based voice actress Jennifer Taylor Lawrence. You may be familiar with her work in the video game Killzone, where she plays the role of Shadow Marshal Luger. In addition to her voice acting and on-camera acting accomplishments, Jennifer was kind enough to record the introduction voiceover for this podcast. During the second part of our conversation, Jennifer discusses what aspect of her dancing and theater training she finds most useful in her voice acting career. She also talks to me about the differences between the US and UK voiceover industries. I was surprised by how differently the casting process works in each country and how important your demo is in the UK market. I found it very enlightening, and I hope you will too. And now, the feature segment. So, you started as a dancer mm-hmm. and then you started getting some theater training to become an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, what in your experience and your performance and your training experience, what have you found most useful when applying it to working in voiceover? Uh gosh, so much of it. The dance has always helped me as an actress and voiceover. I think the physicality, definitely the the use of the physical side of things. Um for a long time I thought I had to completely shut down on the dance side of things and thought I was too balletic or too dancey. But actually it's really helped with you know when you're for example doing a game and you've got to do all the big the big stuff or or just completely involve the emotion and i think helping with that i think the physicality really really helps the theatrical training definitely helps because i think the the warming up or the vocal exercises that keep you focused even though you may not need to do as many as you would do say for a full play i think just just even if you have a 15 20 minute little regime which i do in the car or i might do it in the shower it just pulls focus and keeps you on your toes for when you're actually in the in the booth as well. Yeah. It actually it's one of the things I've I've loved about moving to Los Angeles mm. from New York. In New York, I always found it difficult to get a warm up because if I warmed up in my apartment, then I had to get on the subway <laughs> and ride for 30 minutes to get somewhere and then I was cold. Yes. And yeah. I just couldn't bring myself to warm up as an actor on the subway surrounded <laughs> by New Yorkers. Not, yeah. I don't know why, but it just never made me feel comfortable. Um, not that there aren't plenty of crazy people on the subway, but I guess I could have been one of them. Um, but one of the things I love about being in Los Angeles is that I can get in my car and I fire up my little iPod yeah. and I have my little vocal warm-up that I do as I go to any gig yeah. um, to make sure that my voice is in a good space. Mm. Um, and if I'm doing a, a, a voice-matching job like the Orlando Bloom thing, I actually have recordings of him playing yes. so yeah. I can match him in the car as I'm, as I'm going there to make sure my voice is in the right place. You can just keep looping it, can't you? And just, yeah. yeah, it's... it's it's really great. Although on the tube, I have to say, I have been known to sit there in my own head, kind of doing my exercises and going through Soho, just, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> doing my exercises, which is, ah, whatever. Do people come by and give you coins? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's really good. I, I think that's really um, excellent, this idea that the physicality of what mm. you're doing as a dancer mm. and the physicality of a, of a theatrical actor is really helping you with your voice work. Absolutely. Um, I, I think too often, many times, people think that they can separate their voice from the rest of their body. Mm. Um, and I have found in my experience, it just doesn't work. No, if not you, at all. Unless you engage your entire body in some way, uh, it doesn't sound right in the voice. The challenge then is to engage your entire body and still stay on the microphone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not doing cartwheels around the microphone. Yeah. But it's true. I think the um, the connection, especially when it takes the tension out of your neck, or you know, if you're if you're tense in the neck and you're not, you need to release it or let that go, and then that makes a difference to your voice or how, how the longevity of your voice and mm. how you can how long you can use it for without it tiring. Out, so I think your whole body needs to be definitely involved, as you say, with staying on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so fling your arms around like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as your head doesn't move, yes, just disconnect. <laughs> <laughs> but saying disconnect, actually, I think it, it, if you don't use your physicality, then you are disconnected from your voice, which makes it cold or not engaging or not. Se- you don't, you're not selling what you're meant to be selling. I don't know. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, in your opinion. Um, what is the biggest difference between the sort of U.S. market and the U.K. market in terms of voiceover? It's about 500 times the size. (laughs) Um, I think that, I guess, gosh, there's just so much more available, obviously, because so many different things get made here. Um, It's a huge industry on its own. In the U.S.? In the U.S., yeah. Yeah. I guess because you've got more of the animation here as well. There's there's a massive industry there and the gaming world is very big and they do that in the UK, but I think it's obviously the mothership is here. Mm. Um, Is there anything, is there a different uh, culture or a different sensibility about how people do voiceover in the UK as opposed to the US? Or do you find that it's a similar culture? I think it's similar, although, I mean, I think there's a lot of... um, there's obviously a lot more people here doing it. And I think I think it's the fact that a lot more people here are specifically a voiceover actor and they don't even want to do on camera or theatre. That's they that's what they do and they make a fantastic living out of it and they do it full time. Or I think in the UK there is that definite there's the mix, as you say, the jack of all trades. There's there's not really people aren't really essentially one or the other. You do both. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed. Um and then the way it's the way it's run, the auditions, the way the auditions are run here in, in comparison to the UK, you don't audition, or you very rarely audition over there. Oh, really? Um, you are cast from your voice reel more often than not. I've done a few auditions for maybe the odd game, uh-huh. um, but more often than not, you are cast directly from your reel. So when you were cast in Killzone, you didn't audition, they just no. heard your voiceover reel? Yeah. That's fascinating mm. because that is quite different here. Yes. Um, the people will listen to your demo, but most often I found the demo is used to impress an agent in the U.S. in order for them to, in order to convince them that you're marketable and that they should represent you. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure I've ever, well, only once or twice have I ever been cast on a project solely based on my demo. In fact, uh, the first person to do it was probably Ned Locke. Yeah. <laughs> um, when he first hired me for Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. Um, but I think he uh, he did that, one, because I was the only actor in the U.S. who requested to be on the film. Hmm. And second, because the part he was having me play was relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had had to play one of the larger main characters, I think I absolutely would have had to audition like everyone else. Mm. But initially he had smaller characters 
characters that he needed to fill in. And it just worked out fortuitously for me that um, the character of Prince Turnip, that they were having a hard time casting that character because he's a very specific archetype. And luckily, that archetype is my sweet spot. And so (laughs) when I showed up and they showed me the character and they said, we have this boy, except that he looks like a girl, I said, I really have no problem with that. I know exactly (laughs) how to play that character. Let it roll. Um, But that's very interesting. So you get cast... Uh, more, more based on your demo in the UK than on any sort of audition you yeah, do. They do. I think that they, they, yeah, absolutely. They're more and more. It, it really depends on the job. It really depends on the job. And I, I've also noticed here that they'll do uh, some of the auditions I've had coming through are now not even set in stone. It's an audition to do a demo to then see what where they want to go with the product uh-huh. or or the the game or, or whatever they're doing. It's um, I think I had a couple through last week which were. Uh, you know, the list of we're not sure who we want, but we might want a husky voice. We might want a light voice. We might want an Australian. We might want a Brit. We might want a this, but we're just try trying out that selection. And then it's the next and the next stage. So that's an interesting side of things as well. Where interesting. That's not a process you'd necessarily see in the UK. In the UK. Because they just take all the demos and go, right, what do we want? And then go from there. Interesting. Mm. So you have representation both in the UK and in the US? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. Um, and do you find it difficult to sort of balance that or do they usually not get the same kind of projects being submitted to them? They don't get the same projects and they're not, I don't think, never the twain shall meet. I don't think they can, they can't cross anyway, cross the pond. Gotcha. So rare is it the project that is pulling both from the UK and the US for talent. So because the markets are so separate, it makes sense to have agents in both markets to Mm. represent you. It's clear that for both Jennifer and myself, Voice acting is not simply something you do with your larynx. Acting is a skill that requires your whole body to be engaged. Trying to convey an emotion with only your voice, without also feeling it in your body, will almost always sound forced and not believable. The audience will only find your performance compelling when you can actually allow the emotional state of your character to be felt throughout your body. Remember, the microphone doesn't capture your voice, It captures what you're thinking and feeling. If you try to demonstrate an emotional state, but do not feel that emotion on the inside, we as the audience will not believe you. We may not know exactly why you seem inauthentic, but we'll sense that you don't really believe what you're saying. This is why it's so important to get acting training from reputable teachers. A competent acting coach can observe your performance and give you useful advice on what it will take to allow yourself to share your emotional state more fully. This in turn will allow the audience to believe in you as the character. In the final part of our interview, Jennifer shares with me her advice to young, aspiring UK voice actors. She also talks about how she acquired her agent in London, as well as how she manages agents in multiple countries. I think her expertise is applicable to anyone pursuing a career in voice acting, no matter where they live. But it's nice to get some real specifics about the nature of the industry in the UK. I've been learning a lot about what the British voiceover markets are like, and I'm grateful for Jennifer's insight. I look forward to sharing more of her experience with you in the next episode. See you then. You've been listening to the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast with Crispin Freeman. To get your free report revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting, point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening.